SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 61 Expanding the Circle The walk to the seventh floor was filled with curious questions from both Hermione's parents, as well as Alcott, none of whom who had ever seen the castle in person. The three, now former students, shared bits of trivia, as well as funny stories as they passed various classrooms, portraits, statues, and landmarks all along the way, while Narcissa and Andromeda kept a running commentary of what was the same versus what had changed since they had been enrolled several decades earlier. Finally, they reached the large double doors of their house and stepped through, only to be greeted by a rousing chorus of salutations and where-have-you-beens. Hermione had never been more thankful for the tactfulness of her friends as she introduced her parents to the group at large, and not one of them asked a single question about the events that had led up to that day. She knew they would eventually, as raised eyebrows and shocked expressions met her gaze, but she was glad not to be bombarded by curiosity just then. The buffet looked like it had been barely disturbed, even though everyone had clearly already filled their plates, as was evidenced by the assortment of snacks and drinks in front of the guests spread out around the common area. Hermione and Draco led their family over to get food before they all settled down at the one remaining table. Harry had gone around to say hello to everyone, and once he was finished, came back to let them know he'd be popping downstairs to see Ginny and the others before meeting up with them later again. All five of the adults at their table were taking in the room as they ate, commenting on the pictures everywhere and asking about the magic of the space. "'Where are the couches and the chairs and the other furniture?' Jeanette asked with Hermione's eyes goggled. "'How did you know?' she trailed off, completely bemused as she stared at her mother. "'The memories,' Edward provided, nodding at Draco as if in explanation. "'The ones Draco sent were from this year, so we saw bits and pieces of this place. "'Your mum's right. There were couches.' He gave a smug little grin as Hermione simply gaped like a fish, before turning her attention to her boyfriend, who was now studying his plate of food like its contents might be a new and previously undiscovered life-form. "'What memories did you give them?' she finally managed to squeak out. Oh, well, just a few different ones, you know. He wasn't sure why he was having such difficulty getting the words out, but his brain seemed to be working about as fast as a stupefied snail. Unable to meet her gaze, he braced himself for a barrage of questions and possible rebukes regarding the bits of information he'd shared without her consent. He sent one of your room, Jeanette offered, and he flashed her a grateful smile, which I'd love to see in person if that's all right. Hermione jumped up at once, explaining how everyone's was unique, and extended the invitation to take a look to Narcissa and Andromeda, who were more than pleased to be included, and the four women set off at once to view the different dormitories. Draco heaved a sigh before he could help himself, and Edward let out a low, rumbling chuckle while Alcott hummed amusedly at the whole scene. "'Don't let her work you up,' Edward advised the pale blonde. "'She'll have a million questions about all this. We'll want to piece it all together and understand how it all happened.' if she's still the same insatiable Hermione she always was. "'Oh, most assuredly,' Draco replied, smirking and shaking his head. "'I knew this would happen, but I expected a day or two before she launched her attack.' He scrubbed a hand over his face. "'Silly me.' The three men laughed at that, and were suddenly joined by Theo, Neville, and Dean, who plunked themselves down in the now-available chairs and introduced themselves to the newcomers. As Dean and Theo engaged Edward in conversation about Quidditch— Neville, after learning who Alcott was, began asking him about reversing other spells that affect brain activity. Draco let his gaze sweep the room, and saw his mother with Hermione and Jeanette making their way from room to room, down the girl's side of the dormitory. 
Andromeda had taken a seat next to Luna at the other table and was engaging the dreamy blonde in animated conversation. He saw the green grasses chatting with Neville's grandmother and Luna's father. He snorted to himself, imagining the sheer absurdity of that combination, and caught Daphne's eye. The pretty witch rolled her eyes with extreme exaggeration, but smiled good-naturedly before turning back to Astoria. Many of the first years were happily snacking and chatting at their own tables, though Malcolm and Christopher were over by the fireplace, reading the list Anthony had created. After making sure Alcott and Edward were still happily occupied, he slipped out of his seat and made his way over to the boys. "'What does that even mean?' Christopher snickered, pointing to the line next to Theo's name. "'Maybe he's not very nice when he wins?' Malcolm mused while also chuckling. "'What's all this about?' Draco interjected, startling the young wizards who had been so engrossed in their study of the older students to notice him approaching. "'Hey, Draco!' His Hufflepuff grinned, and Malcolm nodded in welcome. "'What does it mean that Theo suffers from a lack of pliability and proper gamesmanship?' The new graduate couldn't help the hearty guffaw that left him as he read the line himself. He went back to the beginning of the short paragraph, regarding the dark-haired pureblood, and thought Anthony did a very nice job of wording it in such a way as to not clearly spell out that Theo was basically alone, in charge of his family's disgraced estate, and that beyond going with the love goods for the summer, he had no future plans. The bit about him not being flexible was spot on, however, as he recalled his friend's complete inability to learn the hula dance, or the limbo, or be successful at Twister. The list was endless, really. He looked up a few inches and found his own name. Draco has always been an excellent Quidditch player, and will be putting his skills to good use when he returns in the fall as flying instructor and referee for Hogwarts in the wake of Madame Hooch's retirement. He will also be assisting Professor Weasley in defense against the dark arts classes. Should he decide to seek employment outside the school, he could always put his impressive dessert buffet skills to work as a caterer. He's ridiculously intelligent, brutal with his comebacks, and unfairly attractive. His one downfall might possibly be his irrational fear of shaving cream. Again, he barked out a laugh as he read the last of Anthony's description, causing the first years by his side to hone in on what had caused his reaction. "'Are you really afraid of shaving cream?' Malcolm asked with a tone of disbelief. "'Why would you be?' Christopher wondered. "'It's just like fluffy lotion or thick soap suds.' "'Yeah, well, try sitting on a ring of it first thing in the morning.' Draco explained wryly, and both boys' eyes goggled. "'Ew! That's disgusting!' "'Precisely. He couldn't help chuckling at the abject horror on their faces as they imagined such a traumatic experience, and realized his male counterparts in the dorm had never repaid the girls for their April Fool's pranks. He tucked that thought away for later consideration. Across the room— Hermione had just finished showing Jeanette and Narcissa the girls' chambers, and the pale blonde witch had excused herself to find her sister. "'She seems quite lovely,' Jeanette remarked, looping her arm through her daughters as they strolled towards the other side of the common area, intending to see the boys' rooms as well. "'She is,' Hermione nodded. "'I met her officially for the first time during the Easter holidays, and she's very different from the woman I remember before—before everything.' She wasn't quite sure how to handle talking about the war and all the negative things that had taken place, didn't know how comfortable her parents would be with her referencing things she kept from them. Her mother seemed to understand. Hermione, I know we'll eventually discuss everything that happened, and I'm sure that some of it will be difficult, but I want you to know that you can talk to us about it. All of it. She stopped walking and turned to face her daughter, taking both of Hermione's hands in her grasp and peering intently into the deep brown eyes that were a mirror image of her own. 
I don't want you to feel like you have to be careful about what you say. Your father and I can handle it, and if we don't understand something, we'll ask, okay? Hermione's eyes were brimming with tears once again, and she flung her arms around her mother and hugged her tightly, completely overwhelmed by the fact that they were really there, that they remembered who she was, and that they didn't hate her for everything that had happened. As they stood there, Jeanette whispering soft, comforting words, Edward joined them and wrapped his arms around his two favorite girls. After a few seconds, he saw a shock of platinum blonde out of the corner of his eye, and gently pulled away, thus causing his wife and daughter to do likewise. "'Just wanted to make sure everyone's all right,' Draco mumbled quietly, looking rather unsure about whether or not he should be intruding. Hermione put him at ease once by stepping to his side and leaning into him, her nose a little red and eyes a little watery, but the smile on her face made his heart swell. "'More than all right,' Jeanette replied, dabbing under her eyes with the back of her hand. "'Hermione was just going to show me the rooms over here,' she nodded towards the boys' rooms. "'If you don't mind.' Draco shook his head and gestured to the first door, which was Anthony's. "'Not at all. We figured everyone's family would want to see them, so we all made sure to make our beds and put our socks away.' He flashed a grin at Edward, who chuckled, and he was struck by how much easier it was to converse with Hermione's father than his own. He shoved that morose thought away for another time, when he felt like brooding and set about providing a tour of his housemate's quarters. Jeanette gave a fluttery sigh when she saw the photo of Hermione on his dresser, the one she'd given him for Valentine's Day, and he felt his neck heat. As their perusal of the rooms came to an end, Hannah approached them with her camera in hand. "'I've been taking photos of everyone with their family members,' she explained with a smile. "'Would you like me to take yours?' "'Of course!' Hermione exclaimed, as she and her parents immediately positioned themselves in their standard formation, with her in the middle. Draco had stepped off to the side, grinning at the happy trio, as Hannah clicked away. But suddenly, Edward called to him. "'Get in here, son!' He waved a hand, and Draco looked blankly at him for a second. "'Come on, Draco!' Hermione agreed as she and her mother separated and shuffled apart, making room for him to squeeze between them, which he did while both feeling pleased and a little embarrassed by the whole thing. After Hannah was satisfied with the round of pictures, Draco requested a few more. There were several of him with his mother and aunt, then additional ones with Hermione in the mix. He also asked for some of just him with his girlfriend, and as those came to an end, Harry came striding back in through the doors. Of course, his presence meant more photos, with Hermione, with Draco, with Draco and Alcott, with Hermione and her parents. It seemed endless, really, and everyone's cheeks were quite sore from the marathon of smiling when it was all said and done. As the afternoon wore on, more introductions were made, more pictures were taken, and an impromptu game of musical chairs took place. The first years had started getting restless, but didn't exactly want to leave their mentors quite yet, so Dean suggested the timeless classic, and his housemates were happy to comply. After shifting some of the tables around to give a bit more floor space, chairs were lined up and everyone who wished to join in gathered around for a review of the rules. Most of the adults settled themselves in the couches and armchairs that had been summoned back into the common area, and a few newcomers had arrived in the form of Ginny, Ron, Bill, and Fleur, Professor McGonagall, and Kingsley. All four of the Weasleys promptly made their way to the game, while the headmistress and minister made rounds of the parents and family members. As the music started, all attention was turned to the large and boisterous group across the room. Hermione had suggested limiting the number of players to keep it from taking over the room, but still giving all of the first years and guests a chance to play. Plus, a few of the eighth years. The rest of the older students were perfectly content to watch the insanity from the sidelines, shouting words of encouragement and heckling anyone trying to cheat. 
Kingsley's low laugh rumbled as he watched the eclectic group of young people. "'If this is any indication of what's been taking place here all year, Minerva, it's no wonder they're all so reluctant to leave.' The usually stern witch nodded and gave a pleased hum of agreement. "'Yes, the mentoring program was more successful than I dared to hope. The rising seventh years have already started asking me about when they'll find out who their young charges will be.' "'That's good to hear,' Kingsley smiled broadly. He turned his attention back to the Grangers, who were sitting to his left, and addressed them. "'I'm very glad you were able to be here today. I know Hermione must be over the moon about it.' Jeanette smiled and nodded while Edward responded. "'We're very thankful it all worked out, and even more thankful to know she's safe after all that happened.' He cleared his throat and let his gaze wander over to his daughter, who was laughing at something a younger student was saying to her. "'We know we've got many things to talk about, and lots of decisions to make as a family, but right now we're just taking it all in and appreciating the moment.' McGonagall had overheard the exchange and couldn't help interjecting. "'She is an amazing young woman, your daughter. One of the brightest I've ever had the pleasure of teaching. I feel certain in saying the wizarding world will be markedly changed in the years to come as a result of her talent and determination.' Kingsley chuckled and nodded with sincere agreement as the Granger smiled and expressed their thanks for such compliments. At that moment, a swell of raucous laughter came from the group of students, where a jumbled pile of arms and legs was visible, even from across the vast space. It appeared that Ginny, Theo, Daphne, Malcolm, and Christopher had all been on the wrong side of the chairs when the song ended, and made a mad dash for the remaining seats on the opposite end— only to wind up tripping over each other and landing in a heap on the floor directly in front of Andrew, who was smugly enthroned on the last remaining chair. Still chuckling, Hermione broke away from the game and made her way over to her parents, gently tugging Draco along behind her. While he was fairly comfortable with Jeanette and Edward, he didn't want to intrude on their time together, especially not this early on, but his girlfriend was having none of it. "'Mum, Dad, would you like to see some more of the school?' She asked brightly, and they both accepted the invitation at once. Draco was just going to tell his mother he'd be back in a bit when he turned to find her, Andromeda, and Harry standing behind him. "'Draco, dear, Andromeda and I need to get back to Teddy,' Narcissa explained. "'I'm sure Mary has had quite enough of being his sole form of entertainment by now.' They all chortled at that, imagining the handful toddler typical was. I'll get them home through the flu in McGonagall's office, and then come back to see if Alcott or any of the Grangers need anything more from me, Harry added with a questioning look, and Draco nodded his agreement with the plan, noticing Alcott involved in deep conversation with Neville's grandmother and Hannah's parents. He hugged his mother and his aunt, as did Hermione, and the Grangers made their farewells to both witches as they headed out the large double doors.